0: So I just got back very recently from a trip to Atlanta as part of the Pen Addict. And there was something very different about this year's trip to last year's trip. And this year's trip was very different because I met lots of Cortex fans. Hey. People who so many people, it didn't happen last year, that came up to us and said that they found out about the pen addict because of Cortex. And and I know Cortex wasn't around the first time, but I didn't have the time before, like, oh, we found out about Pen Addict because of X Show. Mm -hmm. So there are lots of people that listened to Cortex and then went over and, and realized the beauty of the pen life. And there were, I saw, I think, at least three Cortex-related shirts. Ooh, very nice. Including the first grey Hurley shirt, which was amazing. Oh, it got there in time. So, on the first day of the show, um, like, so basically there was, I was helping out Brad and his company Knock on selling their pen cases. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like a trade show type thing, you'd call it. And I saw somebody walk in to the, the room and they had a grey Hurley shirt on and I, I basically vaulted the table <laughs> and uh lady's name was Andrea and she told me that uh, she was watching like the tracking and she was, it just arrived before they were going to be leaving for the flight because she like mm-hmm. really wanted it to arrive because it was going <laughs> to be arriving on the same day, right? And yeah, I was over the moon because it's the first one I'd even seen because mine hadn't arrived yet. That's fantastic, and it was it was great. And I saw a cup. I saw I think t- at least two uh, Monkey Brain shirts and a CGB Grey shirt. The whole spectrum representing at the pen yep. show. So it was it was pretty awesome, and it was really nice to to meet people that had found out about the pen addict from from Cortex. That that was a real nice little thing that happened.
1: That's one of those things where if you're listening to us talking right now. You already know if you're a pen person. Yeah. And then you're probably super excited to discover that there is a podcast entirely devoted to your obsession. So go check out The Pen Addict if this is the first time you're hearing about it. If you know you're a pen person, like, this is is for you. This is what's great about the internet. Like, there's something for everyone. And Mike just happens to be part of the pen nerd kingdom.
0: Today, I realized the impact that you and this show have had on the way that I work, I learned a very valuable lesson today. Oh, what did you learn? So I have recently switched over to using a different accounting software. I'm using one of those online accounting things that like pulls in your transactions and you reconcile it and stuff. As opposed to what I was doing previously, which was entering manually all of my transactions into my accountant's own system. Right, right. So I moved over to the online system because it looked like it was easier. You just, it pulls in the transactions for you. And then you have to just tap a few buttons to say what's what. But I have had some problems with this in that there I cannot get the, the, the balances to match up. Mm-hmm. So there is a discrepancy between transactions being pulled in and what my bank says. Right. And right. I've been trying to work it out and I couldn't work it out. I sat down today, I was like, roll up my sleeves, and was like, today is the day where I find this error. I started working on it, it got worse. Uh And then I thought, I know what I'll do. I opened mail, I emailed my accountant, and was like, how much money do I need to give you to fix this? (laughs) And I was like, this is what Gray has done for me. I was just like, (laughs) look, I have this problem. I was like, I can't do it. Like, what do I need to do to get you to do it? and he's yes. like send me all this documentation so I sent him a bunch of stuff and now hopefully there are people somewhere working on this problem for me and they're going to fix it for me it's it's a nice relief isn't it it's amazing I'm, I feel so much better and I even checked off in OmniFocus fix the problem because I was like it's going to be fixed now <laughs> I don't even need to have to worry about it from my perspective it's fixed it's
1: fixed enough <laughs> it's someone else's problem now yeah this is uh we talked about this a while back but but definitely the advice of bring on an accountant as soon as you can is something that everybody
0: should follow it was one of the first things that i did when i when i set up the company like even before i was uh fully self-employed and you know, it was mm-hmm. like as soon as i set up this thing that was meant to be serious i was like i just got an accountant straight away but mm-hmm. now it's like i just don't want to deal with anything related to this stuff Mm -hmm. So if somebody could just do it for me, that'd be great. And once they fix this problem, I'm going to be like, how much money would it cost for this to be done every month for me? Yeah. Like, did I never touch this? My current
1: situation with my accountants is that I used to think, oh, how could people live like this? But now I'm one of these people, which is like, okay, I, since I have to do some money transfers with my business, like I'm aware of the bank balances in a vague way, Mm -hmm. but I do no accounting at all until the end of the year. And it's like here you go, guys. Enjoy the last 12 months of my bank statements and this Dropbox folder called receipts that I've been saving random stuff into.
0: I have the same one. Right. (laughs) Over the course of an
1: entire year, right. All unlabeled or unsorted in any way. And it's like, you know what? I know this is going to cost a small fortune to do. uh, But you know what? here you go, guys, like, I, uh, we will, this is how commerce works, like, I don't want to do a thing, I will pay you to do the thing, mm. the value of my time to not do the thing is greater than the amount that I am paying you, so, like, everybody wins, uh, but I, I, you know, years ago, me would have been appalled to see this folder called receipts
0: that I have now, which is just an ultimate crap box of everything. <laughs> because I, I'm feeling good about maybe uh, giving somebody this job to do, because mm. I have just cancelled my co-working membership. Oh, really? Yeah, because I've not been there this year. Hmm. Well,
1: that's, that's a good reason to cancel it.
0: And though. I was paying £120 a month for it. Mm-hmm. And I've just realised that one of the things that I thought that the Year of Less was going to do for me, you know, like my on-off week, mm-hmm. was give me the time to go to my co-working space for at least two days, one week, and one day the next week. Mm-hmm. But what I've done is start fitting in lots of lunches with friends mm. and you know colleagues uh, during this period of time. Which is much better than going to the co-working space. So I des- I'm just not going there. So I mm-hmm. decided to cancel it. And I've got to say, um, I was really pleased with the process. I emailed them and was like, can I pause this or cancel this? And then it was just cancelled immediately. And I was like, "That's how you do it. Don't don't make me jump through hoops. Yeah, you know, just just cancel the membership." And and I said to him, "Thank you for doing this. Like, if I and I mean this, like, if I w- ever want this again, I'm going back to them now because they just didn't cause me hassle." Mm-hmm. So I was very happy about that. So it was a great space, and I loved it, and it was really good, and it's very flexible. But if you're not going there, then what am I spending the money on? Yeah, then then
1: that's just a. Just a business expense for absolutely no purpose. That's no good.
0: And there are so many places around the areas that I was in that if I really wanted to just go away and work for a day, I could find somewhere. Like I could just go to a coffee shop. Like it wouldn't be an issue. Yeah. Jumping back for a second, though,
1: Mm -hmm. when when did you officially sign up for the year of less? You just you just threw that out real casually. Like you've always been on board with this, too. But I I don't remember any point where you were officially signing up for the year of less as well.
0: Well, I mean, in our year of less discussions, I've Ah, been mentioning my on off week. Right. Mm -hmm. So for me, that is actually part of the year of less, which is Ah, I found two days every two weeks that were completely open. Mm hmm. Um, and I've been filling them with things that I'm finding fun to do, even like other little podcast things. But they're fun things, not work things. Mm-hmm. So it's been good, and I've been enjoying that.
1: Oh, well,
0: I'm I'm very glad to hear that, Mike. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by FreshBooks. FreshBooks, the company on a mission to help small business owners save the time and stress that comes with running businesses and it all is focused around the finances the invoicing part let me tell you a story so as we record this last friday was the end of the month and the end of the month means lots of invoices need to be sent so i sat down on friday as i always do and i opened up fresh books and i opened up our spreadsheets and i went to town and in 15 minutes I had like 30 invoices sent out. It was super, super simple for me to do this. It takes just 30 seconds to create and send an invoice with FreshBooks. What I really love is all of the information that you've used before is saved in there. All of your clients are saved in there so it's easy to get to them. All of the line items that you've created are saved in there with the default pricing and stuff. So it makes it just a couple of taps to get an invoice sent out. All of the activities tracked so you know when people have looked at them. You can send out late payment reminders as well if you like. And because you're a FreshBooks customer, you'll be paid faster. FreshBooks customers get paid five days faster on average when compared to their competition. With FreshBooks, you'll be able to integrate with loads of your favorite services. You'll be able to track all of your time to help you send out better invoices if you're a time tracking person. They have fantastic support. They have the ability for you to track all of your receipts. It is super simple and I couldn't Recommend it enough. The best thing for you to go and do is just try it for yourself. It's super simple to get started. You don't need to be a numbers person. And FreshBooks are offering a 30-day free trial to listeners of this show with no credit card required. You can just go to freshbooks.com/cortex to sign up and claim your 30 days of unrestricted use. You'll be able to send better invoices quicker and please enter cortex in the how you heard about us section so freshbooks knows that you came from this show trust me go check them out go to freshbooks.com/cortex thank you so much to freshbooks for their support of this show and relay fm all right so let's have an update on gray hiring mm. so the last time we spoke i think it was very much left in a i'm going to change my life and i'm going to hire someone is that, is that how we left it? I don't think that's how I would have phrased anything. That it was kind of like, like that. I, I didn't get so. any CVs, which I was very surprised about. I didn't get any.
1: <laughs> uh-huh. Well, my assistant sent me a message like, Why the hell am I all of a sudden getting all of these CVs from animators? The
0: system works!
1: (laughs) (laughs) They don't come to me! That was my thought as well. Like, actually, this is great. Like, Cortex listeners are responsible listeners. Like, they're using the public contact form on my website. They're not bothering,
0: Mike. It's not a joke, right? Like... Yeah, I would like to thank everyone that realized there was no point in sending it to me. Because (laughs) there really wasn't any point, because I wouldn't have done anything with it. I would have just read your CV, and you don't want me doing that. (laughs) Like, I would have just read it, and, and looked at it and thought about it sending it to gray's assistant was the best move yes and i would like
1: to thank everyone who sent in their job application i have looked at none of them yep uh, because the system is not set up yet you weren't really supposed to reach out yet like i wasn't
0: i wasn't ready for you yet and we will uh i say bravo to everyone that did seize the day uh, <laughs> i mean that i'm not like even making a joke like if i was in that position of wanting to do this kind of thing and heard this you would have gotten my cv because Mm -hmm. why not you're either Mm going to look at it or you're just going to bin it and then when you eventually put out the process of hiring you can apply again seize the Mm -hmm. day gray seize the gray no no i don't even know why i said that
1: (laughs) i reject that statement (laughs) there will be no seizing of the gray i do not like this i've seized the gray i do not like
0: this one but no (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> All right. So what's
0: going on then? How has how is, how is this process uh, progressed? Okay. So here here is here is the thing,
1: listener. We're, we're going to talk a little bit about what I have been up to. Uh, I've been preparing a little bit for this Cortex episode, which I usually just leave in the hands of Mike. I'm like, oh, Mike, just figure something out and I'll show up and talk about it. Uh, but this time I was like, oh, I think I actually need to try to organize what I've been up to uh, so that I have something to show Mike and so that we can talk about it. But this conversation, I think, is necessarily going to be uh, partly mixed in with a kind of mini Cortex book club, uh, which relates to a book called Who? Uh, The A Method for Hiring by Jeff Smart. Listeners, Mike just made a sad sound. Uh, I started reading this book, I don't know, like a week ago, and I messaged Mike and said, oh, hey, Mike you might want to read this. Maybe this will be like a little Cortex book club because uh, I'm going to go through this book over the next uh, few days and, and relate it to what I am working on. And Mike and I have not discussed it at all since that point other than the fact that I know Mike has read it. And I think that sound
0: is uh, is not favourable from Mike. Where do you find these f-ing things? <laughs> Where do they come from? This is a nightmare of a book. This thing <laughs> was horrific. <laughs> Um,
1: The place I find these is I have an enormous text file called books to read that I make a little note about why they were entered in on the list at some point. And so at some stage past me wrote down who book and then in brackets related to hiring. And I have no idea why or when Past Me wrote this down. I just knew whenever I would review that list of like, oh, someday, if future me ever needs it, Past Me has written down a book about hiring. And so since that was just there, last week when I was getting serious to think about trying to bring more people on board, I thought, oh, Past Me wrote this thing down, so I'm going to read it. So the answer is I have no idea really where it came from other than I just have a list of books, some of which have notes to future me about when they might be useful to read.
0: So these, who knows where book recommendations come from? They just appear, Mike. I didn't like this one at all. <laughs> at least it was short. It was like four and a half hours.
1: Yes, it, 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 was a, it was a business book that was very short. I read it over the space of an hour on a Saturday, and then I took a flight to and back from the continent, and I finished it in that time. So I think it was like mm. three hours in total to read. It's very short, which is a virtue in the business book world. But I bring this up now simply because I think this book is going to be kind of mixed in with mm-hmm. what has been going on. So this is, for the listeners, a sort of Cortex business book club.
0: Yeah, there was a book that was read. I, I just want to say about my, my hate of this book, like I, I also expressed many bad feelings for E-Myth. Mm-hmm. But e was entertaining in its terribleness. Mm-hmm. This book was just boring and terrible, which is a worse mix. I really didn't like this one. Can I just say, like, while we're talking about the book, one of the things that I found the most egregious about this audiobook?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: There are sometimes, or there, t- there are three instances in the book where the narrator of the book uh, reads a quote from someone. Mm-hmm. There are two where he reads quotes from people that are English, mm-hmm. and he is an American guy, and he puts on English accents. <laughs> when he reads the quotes. (laughs) Oh, it's a bad decision, dude. Don't do that. And there was also a quote from a Colombian person. And he puts on a hey gringo type accent. And it is so bad. I don't know why he does it. It just doesn't make sense to me why he does it. Like, I can't think any reason why you would need to put on an accent. I feel like he couldn't help it, right? Like, it just started.
1: Is the narrator of the book also the author of the book? I feel like the answer has to be yes after you have described this to me.
0: No, actually, it was narrated by somebody else. Patrick oh, okay. Lawler. <laughs> I don't know why they hired him or let him do whatever it was he thought he f- was a good idea to do. But he did it anyway. I mean... I Thinking about it for a second, I
1: would expect that if it was a novel, like if you're reading a novel and a character has an accent, I would expect the narrator yeah. to put on that accent, but it seems it seems almost inappropriate in a business
0: book. It's pointless. <laughs> because he doesn't not put a on character. different regional American accents when he reads quotes from from American people. He uh-huh. just does it with the English person and the Colombian person. Mhm. <laughs> Fantastic. Fantastic.
1: While we are just discussing this audiobook briefly. Mm-hmm. I have to say, Mike, that I think, I know I'm not going to change your behavior on this, but I think you are making a terrible decision listening in audio form to these business books that I recommend. because I think a key way to survive the kind of writing that you find in most business books, while also extracting the value to be had in them, comes from learning how to get through them very quickly.
0: Yeah, because one of the problems that I have is I have to listen to the lists.
1: Right. (laughs) You have to listen to the lists. There are a few points that I highlighted in here, uh, or just for the show, it's like, oh, look, pointless anecdote, right? And there's just so much in these books that if you're reading it, you can jump ahead or skim. Or like with this book, I, I basically flitted over, say, the middle third of it because I recognized immediately that this was just not really useful in any in any way, shape, or form. But if you are listening to it, you have to have every single word enter your brain. And so yeah. I just... I don't think this is the way to go with business books. Like, if we're going to continue the business book club and I'm going to continue recommending books to you, I like I worry for your sanity a year down the line if you continue to listen to them. Because what's going to happen when I recommend something that's like 16 hours long and you listen to the whole thing? You're going to lose your mind.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm going to try and make a book by book decision. Like, Creativity mm-hmm. Inc., I wanted the audiobook. Mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it was more it, there's a lot of story in there but mm-hmm. this one i didn't need the audiobook for no, this one you didn't need the audio because i was actually skipping the audiobook i'd be like <laughs> just get, get me out of this section this is horrific i don't need this and this one it also suffers from all of the problems that all of these types of books it's like a ton of statistics and figures that are thrown out that you just have to accept to true or not really
1: and just keep moving on
0: <laughs> yeah it's like it's just like oh well we 90 percent of people have this problem it's like How? How did you get to this? Um, And also, so much of these books are just focused on... Naturally, they're just tools to sell this company's processes. Yeah, of course. Right? They want you to come and buy what they're selling. Yeah. Um, But the the whole kind of overall thing about this book is the A player. That's what they talk about, like hiring the right person, basically. Right. So I can see why you'd want to read it. There are a couple of interesting parts in this book that we might get to a little bit later on. Mm -hmm. Um, i can see how someone could extract some use from this but it really for me was just like three sentences in this book that were really good
1: (laughs) okay so let's talk about this then okay so we discussed last time i'm looking to bring someone on board for all of the various reasons that we mentioned particularly some health concerns and a few other things and just like i need more help with what i'm doing i'm reaching the point Also, just with like two podcasts and the YouTube channel, it's like it it is useful for me to to structure this in a more useful way. So I've been thinking about it a lot. And this book, Who, combined with also the insanity of E-Myth Revisited, (laughs) I feel like, okay, taking the useful parts of both of these books has really helped me clarify my thinking process about this and helped me move forward a little bit. So, here's what's going on. We we discussed previously this idea from EMI3 visited about write out your company as though you don't exist. Write out all of the 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 jobs that need to be done, as though you have some huge company, you're not a part of it, and there's just a bunch of employees.
0: Yeah, so there. all of the jobs that need to be done, and then assign them to like to the imaginary people, the roles that would need to be filled to to do the work. Right. So like marketing manager and production manager and that kind of thing for you, I guess.
1: Right, that, that's exactly right. Now, uh, I had sort of done this in the past, but I always found it a, a, like, it was useful, but a bit, like, unactionable, or...
0: Yeah, I think when you would have done this, though, you would have very much been in the mindset of just working out how much you need to do, as opposed to ever thinking that you were going to give these jobs to someone.
1: Yeah, there, there, was, a, there was a lack of externalizing about this. And so, I had done it, but I, I hadn't actually even bothered to kind of keep any of the writing out that I had ever done on these things. Like, it was just not super actionable. But the idea was very valuable. Now, the extractable, valuable idea in this book who comes comes like many of these books right away, right <laughs> straight at the front. Uh, you know, there's like an introductory chapter of nonsense, and then like in almost every single one of these books, like chapter two has almost everything that you're going to get out of it, and that was the case with this one. And what this book lays out is a format for which you can write a useful job description. So it it lays out this thing of like, here is how you can write down on a piece of paper a job description that can also work as a way to evaluate whether or not the person who is working for you is working out. And I thought like, okay, well, this is a really interesting, this is a really interesting idea. Because previously, just thinking about job descriptions, you know, it makes me think of like when I applied as, as a teacher or, you know, any of the work that I've ever had, the job description is like a piece of paper that you see once and then you never see it again ever. Yep. And, yep. you know, just, you know, it's it's like this irrelevant thing. And so I had this little outline now of like, oh, okay, here's how to formulate a job description. And that all of a sudden clicked in my mind of like, okay, I can sit down now and Thinking about how I am going to structure the job descriptions feeds into how do I need to separate out my company into a bunch of jobs. And separating out a bu- my company into a bunch of jobs also then clarifies what is the job description of each of these. And so I had this surprising afternoon. It, it was a Sunday afternoon. I read the first two chapters of this book and everything seemed like it kind of fell into place. And I sat down and I wrote out a kind of basic description of the company that I run. And I wrote out a basic idea for some of the jobs that I want. And it was a really interesting afternoon because though on this podcast, we have sort of jokingly referred to this idea that like, oh, Mike and I talk to each other as CEO to CEO. And you have to think about yourself as the CEO, as separate from the person who's working in the job and like all of this kind of stuff. I had this feeling after that afternoon of like, oh, I think I really was a CEO today. I think this is the first day I actually was doing the kinds of things that a CEO would really do. Sitting down very seriously, very formally structuring out the company and structuring out some job descriptions for people who were going to maybe work in that company, even though sometimes they are me. So I have a a folder of work to share with you, Mike. Wow. Are you interested to see?
0: Yeah, very much.
1: So what I'm sending you is some of the stuff that I did. And now there's two main things in, in my life here, right? Like I have the podcasts and I have the YouTube channels. And I have, since we last spoke, made some progress towards helping out with the podcast, particularly the Hello Internet podcast. And I am going to credit it in no small part to, like, thinking about this in a very formal way. So I actually wrote out the the podcast as though it was a kind of separate company that produces the work that I am doing. So if you take a look, you'll see I actually have a little kind of mind map flowchart mm-hmm. of what the Hello Internet company looks like with various jobs to be done. So what I was thinking is, I have these two areas of my life, one of which is like the dominant big one, which is the YouTube videos. Like that is the much harder, much more difficult problem for me to solve, which we will get to. But there is an easier problem, which relates to bringing on some help with the Hello Internet podcast, because I do a bunch of edits on the Hello Internet podcast. (laughs) There's like a ton of back end work that happens with that podcast. And so I kind of thought like, okay, let me try to start with Hello Internet first, so that if I do anything dumb or if I make any mistakes with this or like just... It's an easier conceptual problem to bring on someone to help with Hello Internet. And also, quite frankly, it's lower stakes. Like if something goes terribly wrong with Hello Internet, I would much rather have that happen than have something go terribly wrong with the video production. Like I can ultimately kind of fix the Hello Internet problem much more easier than I could the the YouTube problem.
0: But like, you know, for example, if something happens in the audio it can be repaired and it would just, you know, people can get the new version. Right. But That's not what happens in YouTube. You know, you've spoken about this on Hello Internet in the past, I believe. Once the video is up, that's it. Like there's nothing you can do. Yeah,
1: there's nothing I can do. And and also like so, if something gets uploaded, you know, it's going out to literally millions of people, maybe. Uh-huh. Like it's a bigger scale mistake.
0: Yeah, it's a bigger scale problem. Sure. <laughs> right.
1: It's a it's a way bigger scale problem if something is dumb or something just doesn't work out right or anything. So I I wrote this out and uh I was thinking about how in my process, like what like what is my role here? And the thing that I I kind of settled on is I'm trying to think of myself as like the audio director for the podcast Mm -hmm. in some Mm -hmm. sense. I'm like, okay, I can work with other people who help produce this. And so uh, I wanted to bring someone on who would help with parts of the process of making a Hello Internet podcast. So prior to this, The structure was basically I did three cuts of the podcast. The first cut was for content to just remove all kinds of boring stuff that doesn't that shouldn't go in the final show. Uh, Like, you know, we record just a ton of stuff and and not all of it always makes it in. I would do a second super intense cut of like. Tightening everything as much as possible, trying to remove gaps, trying to clean up little audio mistakes, uh, just doing a ton and ton of little edits there And then I would do a final listen through and building of show notes. Like I was doing kind of three runs. And so structuring this and thinking it through, I realized, okay, I can bring on someone to help with that middle edit of the podcast, that someone can help me with that because it's a huge amount of work and it also doesn't necessarily have the same quality of like, well we talked about a thing and we don't want it in the final show and like it's our decision just to cut that like that is a decision that ultimately i have to be making that like cannot be delegated to somebody else but the middle section totally can be delegated to somebody else but for the moment since since i'm all new to this right i'm uh, this is i'm very unused to bringing people on the idea is that i'm just going to be listening to the work that has been done in the second cut and giving any feedback as is necessary,
0: and that kind of mirrors our working relationship, which is like me and you have spoken about this, and and we both feel that we're getting closer to the point where you don't need to to have an edit run on the show, right? And I think we're there yet because you know I'm still tweaking things in a way that I think makes sense for both of us, but I think we're both understanding our process a lot more, and I think we're getting to the point where you wouldn't have to do it if you didn't want to.
1: Yeah. So I was going to say, Mike. That you are the very person who has given me confidence that this kind of thing can even happen. Success. Because precisely this, because when we, when we first started with the show, you would hand me back an episode and I would add quite a lot of cuts to it. Uh, I think that's fair to say, like the first yeah. few ones. Uh, I, I was like, mm, I'm, I'm going to take out a whole lot more. Than, than has been done the first time. And and over time, working together, the two of us, we are now at the stage where I find myself, when I'm doing the final listen-through of Cortex, not changing a lot, or even some of the changes that I make, I, I, I think,
0: are they that significant? I'm not sure that they are. So yeah, like, I'll do them, because I'd prefer it, but if it went out this way, like, whatever.
1: Yeah, it, w- it yeah. would be fine. It wouldn't be any disaster. Us doing Cortex together has been an interesting learning experience for me in this, like, let's go back and forth with another person and, like, we can yeah. talk to each other about what do we want as a
0: thing. And, like, so I think that's part of why, if you if you mm. allow me to put words in your mouth, there isn't a Cortex chart because we have always had a different kind of working relationship than, I guess, you've had in some of your other works, right?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah. And on the Cortex one... I'm just the talent, right? Yeah, you I, are. I, yeah,
0: I just, just rolling with your squirt back hair and your sunglasses and you're just ready to roll, you know?
1: Yeah. You know, sometimes you have to knock on the trailer door mm-hmm. to, to get me to come out at the right time to do the recording.
0: Mr. Gray, we're ready for you now.
1: Yeah. It's, most of it is just out of my hands. I just show up. Uh-huh. There's show notes.
0: Oh, look at this. Isn't that
1: nice? Okay. I'll read my lines and then I'll go back. Um, but yeah, so doing this with you over over this time has let me feel like, okay, I can I can take what has happened to with cortex and like scale it up to the next level with this thing that is now much more of my responsibility than than cortex is. Like right now the way it is, I am the back end of hello internet. like I do all the editing, I do all of the publishing and the promoting of it uh, on like on social media and all of that stuff. And so this is part of what I've been doing here is like, okay, I think I see a place where an audio editor can come in. And then it was also in this separation of tasks that I, that I realized something, which was... So I've always had this, this kind of conversation with my wife when I talk about putting up a Hello Internet episode. That I was always aware that on the day when I would do the kind of final preparations and getting ready to put it up, I was always surprised by how long it actually took to go from export final MP3 to episode is live, promoted everywhere, discussion is up, it's all ready to go. Hmm. It just, it caught me by surprise how long it always took. And so this was one of these cases where I thought, okay, when I was making this chart, I was thinking of this in terms of, well, there's there's kind of a distribution side to this business as well, that in my mind, I was always kind of rounding off as, oh, it's not much work. It's very easy for me to do. I can just do this really quickly, Right. But thinking about what I got from that book about who, and thinking about the Emyth stuff, and like, okay, imagine I couldn't do any of it. There needs to be essentially a, a distribution person. And so I was sitting down and writing out, here are all of the steps, as though I couldn't do anything to take the mp3 file and get it up on YouTube, get it up in the Libsyn backend, get it out on email campaigns, get it up on the Reddit, get it promoted on Facebook. and there are so many more steps to that than you really think of, because as listeners will know, I'm already quite a checklist person. Like I, I have long checklists already for all of these kinds of things, but it was a whole nother level to sit down and really write out like which boxes need to be ticked in Libsyn, which systems need thumbnails uploaded to them, what drop-down boxes for categories need to be selected, right? Like really going through and doing every little step. I was absolutely shocked when I took a look at the final checklist and thought like, I can't believe I was doing all of this. And this is the part where it's like, okay, there is work to be done here. And the plan is that my personal assistant is going to take on a lot of the distribution role in this kind of like Hello Internet company that right. exists. like So it's, it's like the distribution assistant is the person who is going to help out with a bunch of this stuff. Mm. It was just a really interesting exercise. It's, it's one of these cases where even when you think you are organized and you are on top of things, a, a shift in perspective, a little bit of actionable information can really change and bring into focus certain kinds of problems. And this is why I had this interesting feeling after this afternoon of like, I think this was the first day that I was actually a CEO, right? Of of sitting down, writing it out, being really specific with like, what needs to happen when and what needs to happen where.
0: How do you think that you will be in this uh, scenario? Do you think that you'll be constantly checking in with people, like keeping an eye on things being done? Or do you think you'll be able to kind of just let, it happen.
1: The hope is that I'm able to just let it happen. That I'm, I'm able to just step away from it as much as possible. Now, if you take a look in that folder that I sent you, mm-hmm. you will see there's a file which is called audio editor, HI audio editor. Yep. So open that up. This episode of Cortex is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. Start building your website today at squarespace.com, enter offer code Cortex at checkout, and get 10% off your first purchase. With easy to use tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture every detail of what drives you. Squarespace puts all the power you need into your hands and takes away the pain points, like worrying about hosting, scaling, or what to do if you get stuck, or I'll add here, because I use Squarespace to host my own websites, Worrying about upgrading the MySQL installation on the other end of your hosting, whatever. Who knows what you're supposed to do? Is there some server somewhere that has my website on it? That stuff is awful. That stuff is terrible to have to worry about. And with Squarespace, you just don't have to worry about it. They take care of everything. With Squarespace, you can build a site that looks professionally designed regardless of skill level, no coding required. You'll easily be able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want because while they have site templates that are absolutely stunning to look at and that scale up and down to every size screen, you can also go in and change So much about them. I know I spent a ton of time kind of customizing one of their templates to make it work for my website. And at the end, it looked nothing like what you had started with. They're really, really flexible. Squarespace has so many awesome features like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have a commerce platform. They have a cover page rock-solid, super-fast hosting, and much, much more. So once again, go to squarespace.com and enter the offer code CORTEX to get 10% off your first purchase. And if you sign up for a year, you'll get a free domain name. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month. They really are just the no-brainer solution to building your own website. So go to Squarespace today, get started, use offer code CORTEX. Thanks to Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM.
0: Okay. Oh, mission.
1: <laughs> okay, so now. <laughs> this is where I have followed the outline in the Who book uh-huh. of what a job description is. All right. And so there's there is a mission, which is like the one-sentence description of what the job is for. And then below that, there are four bullet points of here are the outcomes that this person is supposed to produce. There's also The book also recommends this thing about like qualities at the bottom, which I think is a little bit of BS, but I've just done it for the sake of completeness for now. But the thing that I have done here is when I was writing out this job description, I was specific about thinking about this in terms of where is this person going to receive work from and where are they going to send it to? And so I, I have a I have a note in in the job description about how like when you are done with your job, the next step is to send it to the distribution assistant, right? Like you don't send it to me, right? I shouldn't be involved in this really. Like when the when the final exporting is done, you send it to that person, and then I've written up another job description which is for this distribution assistant. Right. And then this is what they should do when they receive the final audio file from the audio editor. So if you see what I mean, like I am trying as hard as possible to build a thing where I touch it as little as possible.
0: This is really good. i got to say, like I'm reading through these. I mean, you know, I, I won't spill the beans on it all because I'm assuming that this is to be kept private for the time being. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of things in here about like, you know, making sure that the show is, is, is kind of kept true to its point, you know, to be like Mm -hmm. a a conversation between friends. And basically the idea for the audio editor is to just tighten it up, right? Take Mm -hmm. out the arms, take out the ears and, and basically just master the show to make it basically how it needs to be before it goes out the door.
1: Yeah. And then the idea as well is that for now I am doing this third edit, but that they can also do the final round of like, okay, I'm going to send you the ads. And then this stuff can just be plopped in of like, okay, bleeps and bloops. They go in at the appropriate spots. Here's the opening theme. Like, There's a whole other extra level of little stuff that I don't really need to do. Like I can have somebody else do it. But again, it was just so interesting realizing how much stuff my brain had filed under the category of not very much, or like even in my own checklists, you know, I would, I would have a line item, which was like, add transition sounds and export final version. And I was like, well, actually, that's quite a lot of steps you know, for, for the final part of the podcast, like when you think about it, like what is actually involved here? How long does this actually take?
0: And also, if you're like me, the checking that you didn't ruin anything by adding right. those. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is the longest part.
1: <laughs> right. There's a, Yeah. It, it's so easy to mess up <laughs> at the last mile. You're like, <laughs> oh, I've definitely done that with the podcast sometimes. They're like, oh, I'm just going to add this one quick thing. And then the, the people who listened right at the beginning send you a message like, you know, there's a ten-minute section where the where there's like a fade in and fade out over the audio. I was like, "Oh no! I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops!" Right. Let, let me quickly change that as, as quickly as I can. Um, so this this is all my structure so far. With again, the smaller of my two projects, trying to sit down and formalize and systematize how this works. And and again, it is really interesting that. Even though this Who book, uh, as listeners might have gathered from our initial description of it, has a lot of just garbage in it, I found the structure of this outline of how do you write a job description. This for me was somehow like the missing piece Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that I needed to have in my brain about how do I make the org chart actionable? How do I make this really serious? And how do I how do I really think this through? This is part of what I have been up to. And I have taken on someone who is helping with the second edit. And we are recording this episode on a Thursday. and Friday tomorrow, if everything goes right, should be the first test of this little system of I have had an audio editor help me with two parts and also the first test of, having my assistant act as the distribution assistant and do a lot of the public-facing sharing of it and uploading to the backend systems and all of that kind of stuff. So it hasn't happened yet. like The trigger hasn't been fully pulled, but I am interested to see how this goes as the first run of a thing where I am trying to remove myself
0: as much as possible. The distribution assistant, that job had already been filled by someone you were already working with, right? Um, you just basically gave more tasks to your personal assistant who you vetted and worked with for years at this point.
1: Exactly, right? Like I wasn't bringing on anybody new there.
0: But you did bring on somebody new for the audio editing. And it's right. interesting because the, the way that this person came to you is, is also brought up in the Who book. When they're talking about finding people to hire, one of the things they say is, who do the people that you work with recommend? Exactly. And this person came to you from a recommendation from me. Exactly.
1: We were we were talking about this. I I was discussing how I wanted to bring someone on to help Hello Internet. This is before I came across the Who Book and we were just kind of chatting and you literally said to me, Oh, I, I think I might know exactly who you need.
0: Yep. I'm like, great. <laughs> well isn't that isn't that perfect? So none of the jobs that are needed for the Hello Internet Corporation have had to go out to open application. Right, right. So I think now we should turn our attention to grey industries. Right.
1: Well, that's why once again the Hello Internet thing was like this interesting test case mm-hmm. where I was able to kind of play around with it. Uh, so far, things are going well, but there is a very difficult thing that hasn't happened yet, and that's the like the next stage of of scaling it up to the CGP Grey YouTube channel. So when you go to the big leagues. It is when you go to the big leagues.
0: Because it's like, it's a process, right? Where you maybe learn some things from Cortex and then you applied some of those things to Hello Internet and now you're able to apply some of those things to the YouTube channel. It's like yeah. a chain where you're able to test things out on smaller scales yeah. until you take what you've learned and apply that to the, the the funnel.
1: Yeah. And this has been a very conscious process on my yeah. part so far of like, okay, do this, do this with Hello Internet. That's also partly why, uh, like, tomorrow is going to be the test of a bunch of this stuff tomorrow when we're recording as it is. And again, like, I, I'm sure there are things that I will realize in that process that then it's like, okay, do this before you do some of the big stuff with the YouTube channel so you can try to avoid problems uh, before they actually happen on the larger scale. All right, so <laughs> we can talk a little bit about the... Uh, the Gray Industries flowchart here for uh, making a video. And this was really interesting to break it out because we talked about this a little bit last time, but it was very different sitting down. And so I I have my company listed out and then I am head of production of this company. And then I was trying to divide that down into like what are all the possible roles and again kind of thinking like when we read creativity inc where they talk about you know this is the director and they're working with these these teams i was trying to think about okay what are all of the various roles that go into producing a video and imagining myself as like if i could only be the producer of this thing what are all the roles i need to hire and and it's and it's just fun it's fun to kind of see it all written out where it's like okay there needs to be a researcher, there needs to be a writer, there needs to be an editor, there's an illustrator, there's an animator, which are two separate jobs like we talked about last time. There's voice recording, there's audio editing, and there's music production. And again, it was interesting to do this and realize like, oh God, I used to do all of this, you know, with the, with the exception of the music, I used to do all of this on my own So it's weird to think about how I used to fill all of these roles, with the exception of music, and now thinking about, okay, imagining these as individual jobs, some of them I am still going to do, obviously the writing and editing I am still going to do, obviously the voice recording I'm still going to do, but now looking at it and thinking, okay, what is going to happen with the illustrator-animator slot? And just like with Hello Internet, trying to formalize my thinking in a way of writing out a job description a little bit to think about what what is going to happen here, like what, what, what needs to occur. So I had an idea, which I still haven't decided if this is like a brilliant idea or if this is a terrible idea.
0: <laughs> Great. Okay. <laughs>
1: so I'm thinking about, okay, I need to bring on... Illustrator, animator role, right? How do I need to do that? What I ended up doing was I ended up thinking, huh, I'm going to write a little script, something that's brief. It's like 250 words. That is an announcement of the job and also the job application. So I wrote a little super mini thing that's oh, like 250 so words long. I love it. Yes, I can
0: see where you're going with this.
1: <laughs> and the application is to animate the job application. Yes. If you look in that folder that I gave you, there is a folder which is called animation application. Uh Uh-huh. And now I'll keep in mind that at this stage, it is still very rough. There's some things in there that I, I won't be having in the final one probably. But I was just writing it out to think about like, okay, how long is this going to be? What's it going to look like? And this is my way of trying to solve a fundamental problem because... What I'm looking for is like is a person who can reproduce my style and ideally if I can I want to find one person who can do both the asset creation both the illustration and who can also do the animation. Yep. Now normally I would think that was a pretty high bar because those are two totally unrelated fields but since my art style is so ridiculously simple, I think that I could get lucky and find someone who can do both of them. But I am open to the idea that like, if this first round doesn't work, I might have to back up and say, okay, instead of looking for one person who can do both, I'm going to look for two people who can work together.
0: So here's my, my thinking. Mm-hmm. There's no reason why you can't find one person because you're one person. It's, there's going to be people, surely. I, I do, I do sort of disagree with that, but I hope that you're right. <laughs> I totally
1: hope that you're right, that there's one person who can do it. I like the script. It's funny. I'm, I've just like
0: <laughs> glossed over it and there's some really funny stuff in here.
1: <laughs> yeah, um, there, there is some part of me which thinks this might be a terrible idea to do it this way. But this to me though, like putting out some kind of call for work, this, this is the like scary new frontier that is the thing that makes it fundamentally different. And I'm going to be pulling the trigger on this relatively soon. Hopefully maybe the day after this episode goes out. Like I kind of want to force myself into just going ahead and just doing this because I think I have done about as much preparation as I can reasonably expect of thinking through like what do I need and uh, talking to a bunch of people and like I'm reaching the limit of pre-preparation before just seeing like Put out an application, see what you get back, take it from there. I think that's that's where this has to go next.
0: I'm really proud of you.
1: oh thanks, Mike.
0: I am. Uh, you, you're doing it, right? You need to do this, and it's a scary, difficult, complicated thing, but you do need to do it. It's the time.
1: It's also it's it's a funny situation to be in because I I think I would actually feel a lot better about it if I was able to offer a full-time job. Right. But in some sense, I am looking right now for someone who is a freelancer who can just work with me and like maybe over time that will transition into something more. But I'm not in a position to be able to say, like, I generate enough work right now, today, to fill 40 hours of animation work a week every week. Right. Like I'm I'm nowhere near that. And so that that's one of the things that in my mind makes this like a funny kind of thing to do. It's a it's a call for freelancers you know even more so more though than like a straight-up job application and so that's that's why i do slightly wonder like i wonder how this is gonna go but that's also why i just have to move forward and i just have to do
0: this and just get it out there are you gonna interview people because you can't get everything you need to know from work Mm. there's more than just what somebody can display to you from their work
1: yeah with something like this, I think the vast majority is the work, but there are, are these so-called soft skills, right, which uh-huh. are things like communication, timeliness, working back and forth. You know that that kind of thing is is tricky, and it does mean there needs to be some kind of interview, a little bit. Uh, that's where the book who was way less useful than anything else right they have it has at the end of it this hilarious schedule for an 8 hour day of interviewing a single person
0: yeah i did wonder if you're going to take much of the top grading <laughs> interview method into your <laughs> consideration here i was like what is he doing what <laughs> Because this is why... I th- actually, the funny thing is the part that I skipped the most of was the creating a job description part. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I listened to then the three hours of interview practice. <laughs> yeah,
1: this is this is one of these cases where there comes a moment in the book where you realize who this book is exactly written for. Mm-hmm. And, and the answer is, we want to sell you on our services to help you find a new CEO for your multi-million dollar company. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yeah. here's an interview process that no one in the world would go through unless there was a ceo position on the other side uh so I've, i found that less than helpful although i do have to admit in terms of of soft skills again like people skills have never been uh shall we say my core competency which makes the whole idea of trying to hire people like an interesting sociological challenge but there there were there were some kind of little tips in the end of the book, which I picked up
0: on, of like, oh, okay, that's a good idea. The funny thing is, Mm -hmm. I would think that you would need to interview people for the inverse reason. What do you mean? You need to interview people to make sure that they can cope with your lack of people skills. (laughs) Well, yeah. You know what, Mike? You might have a point there. (laughs) It's a reverse interview.
1: (laughs) How would you describe working with me, Mike, to the people?
0: Working with Grey is is very interesting. Uh Uh-huh. In so much as that you will have things that need to be done, but you also need to understand that they will get done on a undefined schedule that you will have to accept.
1: So this is you working with me?
0: Yes. (laughs) Uh So I will have things that I need to be done, and I need to sometimes realize that I just have to let go of what I think is the time that it's going to get done in, Mm -hmm. because it needs to fit around your schedule, which you're a lot more protective of. Mm -hmm. Also... Go ahead, Mike. It's okay. I'm trying to think of what else to say. I'm not listening. You also need to understand that your ideas may be vetoed, Mm -hmm. and once they are, they are dead. (laughs) You're not difficult to work with once you understand the parameters... Like, Mm -hmm. once people understand that you are difficult to get hold of, but you will respond eventually, Mm -hmm. and you don't care for schedules, like, they will just work around the schedules that you need to put into place for your own business, Mm -hmm. and that you can just be very to the point and and curt with your responses. Mm -hmm. Once people can understand that, Mm -hmm. then you're very reasonable to work with i think but you need to understand that it comes with the parameters that you that that are those basically and if you can't cope with that like if you can't work that way they can't someone can't work with you because you're not going to change that i don't think at least not very much because that's just how you are Mm. Mm. (laughs) so uh applicant out there that's something that you need to understand And this also actually brings me to a point that I wanted to make to you, which I think is so important, but I don't think that you'll feel it that way, so I need to stress it to you. Okay. If you interview someone, you cannot interview them on your own. You have to have somebody else observing the interview. And this comes from my own experience of hiring people, Gray. I don't know if you knew that I had this experience, but I have hired many people Mm -hmm. and I have been in the room for many other people being hired. And you have to have somebody there because you need to have somebody to talk to about what just occurred. Hmm. Because a observer to an interview will see things that you will not see because you're busy dealing with the interview. And once the interview is done, you have nobody to discuss it with at all. So I thoroughly recommend that you have, if you do conduct any interviews, that you have somebody present in that interview process that is not the interviewee in you
1: I have to say that is that is a a, a great idea. You should write a book on hiring people because mm-hmm. that wasn't mentioned in this book at all. Yeah. Uh, and that's a fantastic idea.
0: The, the, the A method for hiring includes 75,000 people who are involved in the interview process across 16 different steps, which all last seven hours. So that's probably why they didn't mention that part. Can I mention one thing from that book that I actually did think was very good and I think is something that you need to consider and why the interview process is important? Please do. There's one quote that I really liked. Like a heart donor and a recipient, there has to be a match. But This is between the culture and the fit of the company. Or the body of the recipient will reject the organ. It's a very strong metaphor, but a good one. Mm. I've worked in many teams where somebody has joined the team or a new boss has come into play and they don't fit and it destroys everything. It just Mm. sucks all of the good out of the team. Um, and so I think that that is a very good point and something always worth considering is if this person doesn't seem like they're going to fit the company culture, they will destroy everything in the company without meaning to. I've seen that happen many, many times.
1: Yeah. So actually let's, let's, um, just for a moment, cause I'm, I'm not sure we've been super explicit about it, but this outline for how to produce a job description, right? It, it has these three parts. It has the the mission, the brief description. It has the outcomes, like, here are the deliverables. Here is a, a clear, yes, no, the person did or did not do this kind of list, which I really like, which really clarifies thinking. And at the bottom, it, it has, it has these, these qualities of the person. And I really, when I was reading it, I thought, I really do think this is kind of BS. But the author did convince me, through the reading, that the, the purpose of this is like what you said. It is to clarify in your own mind, like, what do you need from a person? And and also, again, to get it down on paper, like, this is what you're looking for in someone. And what I really liked is that, you know, they would talk about you want to kind of limit it to like five at the most qualities that the person has, and also to be ranking them in order of importance. And so it's it forces you to formalize something. And so, for, like for example, in the description that I wrote for the the Hello Internet editor, it made me formalize. Like, listen, quality of the product matters more to me than the timeliness of it, mm-hmm. right? And and it's like I think that's an important thing to get down on on paper. And I think that like maybe that that goes towards helping ensure that there's a match between the person doing the job and and like what I am looking for and like that we're both working together that like here is a formalization of what is important to me like is this is this important to you like if you what if you, what you're looking for is to always have a guaranteed number of hours at a specific time of work like well that's actually at the bottom of the list of the things that I want like if if a thing is going to take a while but it will be significantly better like I want that to happen. But that can mean like, oh, maybe sometimes some shows take a huge amount of time to edit in an unexpected manner. Again, I'm still just all new to this. Like this is me having this theoretical discussion as a self-employed person at the very beginning stages of trying to formally take on more people to help. But I thought like, okay, this, this is a thing worth trying to write out and at least trying to think about much more than I would have before. Like think about the fit between you and this other person
0: but it's the 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 other part of this the more important part is it's not just between you and the person because Mm -hmm. in the system that you're looking to establish you will be having people talking to each other without you being involved right yes and that's where it's much more of a thing that you need to consider because when it's uh employer and employee the the situation is going to be very different there's going to be more inbuilt respect because you're writing the checks but mm-hmm. then you have people talking to each other and having to work together and share information between each other and rely on each other when you'll be hopefully out of the equation. Mm. So that's another part of the quality part in knowing that you believe that these two people will be able to work together. Like if you if you find somebody who fits your style, right? Your kind of people skills. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for that big pause. <laughs> I was t- finding the word. And you think to yourself, this person is just like me. They will be able to work in the same way that I can. That means they might not be able to work together very well with another person. Mm. So th- the other, I think I would feel that you maybe need to go over these qualities just a little bit more. Mm. Um, to Because your the qualities that you have picked out currently are very functional. So you have security, attention to detail, and timeliness. Mm-hmm. They're not really qualities of a person. They're qualities of the work that they're doing. And I feel like you maybe need to flesh that out with some more flowery stuff. Yeah? What? Are, what? Like, what, what flowery stuff, Mike? What do you think? I think that it's an easy one, but just having in there that somebody needs to have good interpersonal skills mm-hmm. and is a good communicator, mm-hmm. you just need to put those in there. So if you talk to somebody and feel that they're not, you can point to the job description and say, I don't feel like you meet this, this role because of this. Hmm. Like, let's say, for example, you find somebody who has never worked with other people, has always been self-employed and works on their own stuff. They might not be necessarily the best fit because they don't know how to delegate or how to uh, cooperate and work with somebody else. Hmm. which you're going to need especially hopefully as this grows and you take do less and less and less you will have a team of people and unfortunately my friend with that comes hr problems that you will need to solve so you want to try and minimize the amount of those that you have yeah. trust me on this great <laughs> but you see like mike how can there be hr problems if these
1: people are just distributed all over the world like i'm not going to have an office anywhere Right. This is all just people wherever in the world. We're not. We're not coming together. Surely, if you if you are one hundred percent distributed company, you can't possibly have any HR problems.
0: Funnily enough, that can actually make things worse mm-hmm. because these people will only ever interact with each other over text, mm-hmm. and that is where all the emotion is lost. <laughs> huh. Interesting point. People skills and communication skills must be added into this um Mm. you will know whether somebody has these things but if somebody looks at this application and thinks great i can continue being a hermit it's Mm -hmm. not the job for them
1: Mm. i think you may have a good point there mike i think you may have a good point
0: there i once managed a team of 10 people Mm -hmm. i have a lot of experience in the way that these things can go horribly wrong i was 21 (laughs) years old and it was a nightmare (laughs) <laughs> I'm sorry, Mike. That <laughs> time is over now. It is long, long gone. <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Uh, Genuine. I'm really happy that you're looking at this. I'm really pleased that you've you've clearly taken this quite far in the last couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was I was honestly actually hoping to have this kind of live and 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 done for this show. I, I was actually thinking of surprising you and having uh, my. Job announcement go up this morning. <laughs> I'd be mean, like, "Oh, we'll talk about it now," but that didn't work out because I'm taking this so seriously that I, I actually, again, in terms of like, "Oh, look, I'm an actual CEO now." Uh, I scheduled a a business trip to a colleague on the continent to schedule a whole in person meeting to talk about hiring.
0: Wow. I assume this person has a team.
1: Yeah, it's a friend and associate who's gone through a lot of hiring uh, in a similar field. As like, can we get together and? Talk about a thing like can we talk about hiring can we talk about what you've gone through like how you did it problems that you had and so I hate you know I don't I don't like traveling I don't like doing this kind of stuff I really don't like taking a bunch of time out of my schedule and this ended up being like a day and a half basically. Uh, but, but that was one of the things like, no, no, this is, I'm going to do this right now. Uh, I, am able to, to get in touch with this person. I'm able to do this thing. So flew out, like we had a long meeting, we talked a whole bunch of stuff about hiring and it was, you know, it was just great to get, uh, another perspective from, uh, another person about something they had, they had gone through. So I am taking this very seriously. Uh, and, but, but that was partly why like, oh, I wasn't quite ready to surprise you with my, uh, job application today, Mike, but, uh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a thing that I've been thinking a lot about, and uh, I think um, after, after maybe I add a few more soft skills to my application and uh, and just do a couple more drafts of it and get it really nailed down, that it's, it'll be something that I have up uh, relatively shortly, and we'll see how it goes.
0: As far as the show goes, this is better for me, because now we get to talk about it before and after. <laughs> oh, yeah, we're good. Two topics. Two topics in one, baby. <laughs> um, I have a couple of points and questions for you before we get off this topic, though. Yeah, please, go ahead. Um, does it matter to you where this person is in the world? No, not at all. Why?
1: Because the only way it would matter is if they were here. If they're, like, if they're already not in London, then it doesn't matter where they are. I I, I would have preference for someone who was on the east coast of America, simply because that time exchange works really well. But as long as the person is able to talk to me in the afternoons, like then I, I don't really care where they live.
0: Okay. So you just you just need to have some overlap of time, basically.
1: Yeah, there needs to there needs to be some overlap
0: of 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 the time. Have you considered how any of your attitudes or approaches to work might have to change if you have people working for you? Because these people are going to be freelancers in theory, right? At least at the very
1: start, they're going to be freelancers. Ideally, I, again, I don't know if this will work out, but ideally, I would like to be able to transition this into at least part-time like ho- hopefully part of what's happening here is that as I free up more and more of my time that it's a virtuous cycle where I actually have more things for them to do and so can't transition this into like oh this is a a part-time job or a three quarters time job like I would like to do that eventually I don't know if that will work but at least at the start yes they're they're going to be freelancers is is the way that this works I think the biggest thing that I have seen when I've tried to structure some of this stuff out is is a thought about how quick is the turnaround. And so one of the things I did when I was thinking about the Hello Internet podcast was I wrote out a kind of a little day-by-day of what would be the most optimistic turnaround time if I'm working with two other people to get this done, someone who's doing the audio and someone who's doing the distribution. And I realized immediately, like, oh, okay, In theory, normally, uh, if I record a podcast, if I'm doing everything, I can turn that around in three days if I really need to, like that three actual working days, right? But then when I write out how this schedule looks working with other people, it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, at at absolute minimum, it's a week turnaround, uh, considering like, okay, well, there's weekends where people won't work. And then, you know, the transition time between this person and that person getting things over. And so, like, that was an interesting thing to do. And I did try to sketch out something very similar for if I'm working with someone for animation, what does this look like? And that was also like, oh, okay, it, it can take a video production from, you know, in theory, I can produce a video in like... <sighs> Five weeks, if I'm really like all in on a video start to finish, you know, it it rarely doesn't, it rarely works that well, because I'm working on multiple things at once. But like, in theory, I could do it in five weeks. And then again, just writing out like, how might this work with other people? It's like, oh, at bare minimum, it's going to be like eight weeks start to finish on a single thing, you know, including going back and forth between that person and like storyboarding Mm -hmm. and leaving in time for changes and corrections and then distribution and all the rest of that. So... I think that's probably the biggest shift in focus, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. It's just a change in focus. And like accepting that idea, I think is fine. Like I'm I'm totally fine doing that. Right now, I get quite impatient when things are ready to go up like I want them to go up as soon as possible, which connects into the very fact of like why I can't stop myself from constantly animating is because of a certain amount of impatience. But I think if I just know, okay, somebody else is doing this, I can shift my mind on that topic and just go into a different mode.
0: For one, I'm very happy that this is happening because I have weeks of content for the show now. (laughs) We have just weeks and weeks of of content. This is great. I'm so pleased you're doing this now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah,
1: this works well for you?
0: Uh, Yeah, it really does. Uh, I wanted to, just to round this out, I want to give one last point from the Who Method for Hiring book, Mm -hmm. which further just points out who this book is written for. Mm -hmm. At one point, the the author's talking about interviewing people and trying to understand through the multiple-hour process the way that they've been in the past to try and see how they might be in the future. And this is the quote, people don't change that much. People aren't mutual funds. That's who this book is written for, people that like that joke. (laughs) Everybody else just wants to vomit at that point.
1: That reminds me of, I think, my favourite thing in getting things done which can it's a book i recommend but it has a certain kind of language problem is there's there's one point in the book where david allen tries to come up with like a theoretical list of projects that you might want to do and he has on there things like work in my orchard right and it's like <laughs> you know it's like okay i know you're out in ohio california right and like this is this is just such a natural thing but there are a few things on there which are just totally here are incredibly well-to-do CEO problems, right? These are not, but I can just imagine David Allen sitting down and thinking like, let me imagine a list of, of projects, right? And when one of them is like, oh, how's my winery doing?
0: <laughs> they also recommend that when somebody accepts a job offer, you send them what they call a meaningful gift. And what? Mm-hmm. And those meaningful gifts consist of flowers, balloons, or a gift certificate. I don't think they're meaningful i think they're pretty meaningless mm-hmm. a gift certificate buy your own gift i don't even care yeah yeah that was <laughs> Work that for was, me <laughs>
1: yeah that 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 was pretty bad um I, i'll just I'll, uh, a couple of my own points from this book since we will almost certainly never touch on it again ever because uh, <laughs> mike didn't like it hated this one one of the thing, one of the things that the the book highlighted in a few points and that i can say i have i have heard from Uh, People in different areas is this idea of don't hire the generalist, hire the specialist, that it's it's super tempting to try to hire a person who seems like they can do absolutely everything, uh, but that you should try to hire the specialized person instead. And I think, interestingly, this actually connects back to uh, the e myth, where what does he talk about? Like hiring Harry or whatever. Like you just have one guy who ends up doing oh, everything. Yeah,
0: and then he hides all the problems and ruins your business, and everybody dies. I think right? That's yeah, that's what happens in the book. Yeah, that's that's precisely how I think it goes. That's
1: it. So I like I thought that was an interesting point, and that's one of the reasons why there's still this asterisk in my mind of like trying to find someone who can do the illustration and the animation. Maybe that's two people, maybe it's not. But I just I thought that was a good point, and I've I've heard it echoed from elsewhere that yes, hiring a the person who's good at a lot of things ends up being not a great idea. Let's see, I just want to look just quickly going through my list here. Actually, looking through my notes, I think even though we barely talked about the book, we have extracted all of the value from it. <laughs> that is unsurprising. <laughs>
0: Next topic. Today's show is also very kindly brought to you by Igloo, the internet you'll actually like. Look, if you spend every day looking at some sort of corporate internet that looks like it was built in the 1990s, it is time to to change it is time to go and check out igloo they understand what it's like to work on internet. You'll be able to access your Igloo intranet from anywhere that you want to do your work. From your phone, from your tablet, from however many tablets you have, from your computer. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what size screen you have. Everything's going to work and everything's going to look great. You'll be able to share status updates. You'll be able to check on that latest version of the document and you'll also be able to manage your task list and talk with your colleagues. It's super super simple and it looks good and it works good. You'll be able to configure it to feel and look like something that fits within your organization and you'll also be able to get to all of the documents that you need you'll be able to integrate box google drive dropbox and many other services into one big easy to secure platform documents aren't going to get scattered from device to device from person to person everything will be integrated and it's all safe and secure with igloos 256 bit encryption it's safe and sound all inside of your igloo you'll be able to share files of your co-workers as well for you to collaborate on with red receipts built in so you'll know that everybody is on the same page Look, if you're using any type of internet product, you should go and check out Igloo because there's no risk. You can go sign up right now and for any team of up to ten people you can use it for free for as long as you like. Sign up today, igloosoftware.com slash Cortex. Thank you so much to Igloo for their continued support of this show and relay FM. The saga of Omnifocus continues. Is it a saga? Is it a saga? Is that the right word, Mike? What is a saga? I don't know. It just sounds really serious. Let's find out. Let's define saga. A long story of heroic achievement, especially a medieval prose. Or a long involved story, account, or series of events. This is a saga. Okay, yeah. It's very detailed, and it's been over three episodes. Six weeks here of of, uh, OmniFocus here. Okay. So, definitely a saga. So now um, OmniFocus for iOS has been released with the automation scripting engine, I guess we'd call it, built in that we spoke about last time. So it's now out in the world. You have also put out a video, um, which means you've now had the time to play around with this, I assume. So I, I and everybody else listening, I'm sure, is very interested to know your thoughts uh, about the omnifocus scripting and if it's working for you or if you've even tried it. So this came at
1: a very fortuitous time for me, which is which is actually connected to a bunch of the stuff we were talking about earlier in the show about formalizing and systematizing the business. Because I really like whenever I can do a thing that serves multiple purposes. And so, while I was writing out those flowcharts of what does my business look like, and while I was writing out the job descriptions for what am I trying to hire, I was also working out at the same time, let me do in-depth checklists of every stage of everything. And oh, look, this is (laughs) a perfect time. Every stage of
0: everything. Yeah. (laughs) This
1: is a perfect time to try out... OmniFocus's new scripting templating system. <laughs> so I thought, like, this is this is this is this is just great. I love it when things serve multiple purposes. It's like, oh, okay. I'm trying this thing out, and I'm also sort of working on the business at the same time, and it serves multiple purposes. And it was like having OmniFocus come out with this at the time that they did was just absolutely perfect because it was an, an in-depth reworking from the ground up of a lot of my checklists trying it out with a new system. And the simple verdict for people who just want to know the end of this saga is that their new system is fantastic. It's it's absolutely fantastic. Mm. I have to say, it is not only is it everything that I could have possibly asked for. Wow. In an automation system, it is more than I would have thought to ask for. Like the 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 way that they have done this is like maximum power combined with maximum flexibility in a way that would never have occurred to me. Can you explain why? So this is gonna get a little this is gonna get a little
0: technical. We're gonna get nerdy here, guys. We're gonna
1: we're gonna get a little nerdy. And here I'll show you Mike something. I'll send you
0: Because let me just say yeah. as it stands right now, I can't understand how to do this. Mm-hmm um because you know people have tried to explain it to me and, and i can kind of grok what's happening but i can't get it to do what it's supposed to do so what but what i know is that now it's out in the world there are going to be more tools that are coming out there are more example scripts i know that the workflow app guys are working on specific omnifocus actions and i feel that once they come out i'll be able to really kind of do this in my own way but as mm-hmm. it stands right now like you've just sent me a thing And I cannot understand how you would get to this point by looking at it.
1: I have sent you a text file with 155 lines of the template that I made that is Hello Internet Podcast from start to finish. This template references other sub-templates which are tasks for other people. So this is not the full process. Wow, there's a lot of things in this list part of the
0: process there's like things I would never even bother checking <laughs>
1: right but this is why I, I wanted to test out this this whole thing So the way they have done this is is super clever. So last time we, we discussed just very briefly because I had only looked at it that Omnifocus is now working in this way so that their their templating system can understand task paper. So if you, um, if you do something like you copy a project in OmniFocus and go to paste it in a note, it won't just paste like the words that you have written. It pastes it out in this task paper format.
0: That makes more sense to me than writing it out. Ah, okay. Okay, so you could set up the project and then right. paste it in. And I bet once that's in there, it's a lot easier to understand. Like the thing that was so confusing to me was like, Imagining trying to write it out like that just didn't make sense.
1: Yeah, so, so I wanted to mention that because I think that is almost a hidden feature that uh, is super key for people who are unfamiliar with this. Now, I am comfortable enough with very basic scripting that I have written it all out. Like, I, I didn't do the copy-paste thing. But I think for anyone who wants to get started with this, you can do the thing of... Like, create in OmniFocus the thing that you want to replicate, copy, paste it into a text file, and it'll spit out the format of how it's supposed to look. And then you can see, like, oh, okay, I I get what's going on here. You don't have to just write it from scratch.
0: So, ultimately, what you're doing is you're creating a bunch of tasks Mm -hmm. in OmniFocus without due dates on them, so you don't see them, right? And then you invoke the script which we'll talk about in a bit, and then you add all the dates to them and then you start to see them again because they show up in your due items.
1: Yes, that is, that is what is occurring. So here are the things that I really like about this because with, with any kind of automation in iOS, it's very often that apps have some automation, but you don't have access to everything. And as far as I can tell... Omni has made it possible for you to specify everything about a task or a project that you could specify manually on the desktop app. So many systems, if if they did automation, they would allow you to do something relatively simple, like specify the title and specify a due date, uh, you know, and, and maybe like a subproject status or something. But with OmniFocus, it's like, OK, by writing this out in Task Paper, you can specify title, the, the subproject it belongs to, the context, the estimated time, the deferred date, the due date. Uh, you can specify repeat, not just simple repeat, but very complicated structures of repeating. You can fill in the notes. And there's, a, there's an almost hidden feature of OmniFocus, which I totally love, which is this thing called autocomplete, which is whether or not a subproject will complete itself automatically when all of the various boxes have been ticked which is a minor thing but is super useful uh depending on the way you're setting up Omnifocus mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um so it's like everything that you could do oh yeah like flag state like I'm, I can't even think of all the things that you can specify but it is all in there so as far as I can tell there is nothing that you could theoretically manually set up in the Omnifocus app that you cannot also specify with task paper. Uh, it's it's everything and it, I find that is a very rare thing to find in in automation. So that is just fantastic. and they've been really great about being able to do all kinds of weird stuff with variables. So like what you've what you've seen in in my own template is I like to specify the a due date which is the date that say a video or a podcast is going up but then you can also modify those variables so you can say like oh this part of the project is due on the due date minus seven days right or this part of the project like here's the weird stuff that sometimes people don't think about like this part of the project is due x days after the main project is actually due right and it can it can handle this kind of weird formatting of i want to do a thing that is outside the the expected range because i could manually do that in omnifocus and you can specify all of these things so this this task paper format alone is is fantastic like it is it is absolutely everything that i could possibly ask for but the thing that is kind of genius about doing it this way is that this allows other people to build even more complex things on top of it. So you can, for example, if you wanted to, write your own little program that could, in theory, ask you a bunch of if-then-else questions about a project, and then just spit out a task paper template that depended on those if-then-else questions. That is incredibly powerful. So it it doesn't just mean like oh you can use our automation system, it it means that you can almost build your own automation system on top of this to then spit out a thing which can talk to OmniFocus, and so it's it's really interesting. And I've been talking to uh, some people who've also been playing around with this and realizing like man I you know I have I have complicated things, but I know other people uh, who are real computer programmers are like oh man I can write a thing that just auto generates all the tasks I need for the rest of the year right like okay that is a level above even what I'm doing and and the system can just like take that and accept that and create a project uh, that is that is built on top of this it's it's just fantastic it, it really is I have to say I am I am more impressed than I had any reason to expect to be so uh I am
0: I am thrilled and it couldn't have come at a better time either. So you're uh sticking with Todo for now though, right? <laughs> sorry,
1: Todo. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 sorry to do. I have to say it, you know, it was a funny thing cuz I was using Todo for I don't know, it was a couple of months, maybe close to 3 months, I don't know exactly how long. And so I am I am back with Omnifocus. And as as I discussed in uh in the Reddit last time, like ultimately this is kind of what I wanted like OmniFocus was a lot closer to the way I worked naturally than To-Do was. It was just that automation was becoming a deal-breaking feature for me. So that's why I moved to Todo. do
0: And the funny thing was, as we discussed on the episode before this occurred, you expected that, um, that To-Do would be more likely to add the features that you wanted than Omni would. Little did we know.
1: Right, yeah. Little did we know that there was there was something secretly brewing in in the back, right? And I, I thought like, oh, ma- maybe I can I can bully and harass the loan to do developer to like to bend his <laughs> app towards my will, right? Which of course is crazy.
0: This is why we need to talk about your hiring processes. <laughs> is that not how this works? No, that's not what we well? do, no, no. do. Oh,
1: okay. That. I, I was, I'm not exactly sure about that. It's unclear to me. <laughs>
0: Look out for the job application coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> right,
1: quality is bendable, but I do I do have to say that, that like To Do is still a very interesting app. I can still definitely recommend it under some circumstances. And I and I have to say, like To Do has some clever things that I still haven't quite been able to break my habits of having switched back to OmniFocus. Like To Do has a fantastic uh, feature for bulk editing tasks, which is a thing that I, I honestly think. Any iOS developer who is working on anything where you might want to edit multiple items at once should take a look at the way To Do handles it. They just have a fantastic, really simple way to like bulk edit things, which is which is always a real problem on on iOS. Like iOS is like loves for you to do things sequentially, uh, but the, the the guy writing To Do really really nailed solving that problem. Uh, and so that's great. And so I do I do miss that now with Omnifocus. And the other thing that I really love with to do is there's a way where you can long press on a task and it brings up a little menu of just like quick button options for what are the most likely things that you want to do with this. Do you want to defer this for a day? Do you just want to delete it? Do you want to do a couple of other things? Like I still find myself long pressing on omnifocus tasks and thinking, oh, why isn't it working? I, um I will eventually I will eventually lose those. So to-do definitely has some clever features. You know there's,
0: some, there's a false touch action for OmniFocus for that stuff, right?
1: Yeah, well, we'll, it's, we'll talk about that another time, right? But it's because it's like I'm using it on the iPad and stuff. Ah. Uh. So it's it's not it's not super useful to me. But like I've, I've said before, with to-do apps, there's this infinite demand for them because everybody has their own picky ways of working. Mm-hmm. And this is a case where I am very happy to be back with OmniFocus because... Their their core competency of just show me the things that are available to me right now to do that has always really suited the way that I work, and so I feel like quite naturally my mind aligns with OmniFocus the most, and so now I'm just, I'm just super thrilled that the one deal breaking feature has has now been removed. And I can just go back to all of my normal, like, little little annoyances and complaints with an app like you have for absolutely anything. Um, but I'm just, I'm absolutely, I'm absolutely thrilled to be back. Uh, I love having an app with dark mode, especially for something I use as often as my to-do manager. So, yeah, it's, I, I gotta say, like, super congratulations to the OmniFocus team. Like, this is, this is a really impressive way to solve a difficult problem and also give other people the ability to to build their
0: own solutions on top of this in case they need more. I still don't like the purple icon, though.